Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed, so I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre- and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Hello, hello, Mighty Parent or Parent-to-be. Welcome to Birthful once again. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's story is with Victoria Wilson, who is here to tell us about her third birth and especially her postpartum story with that baby. And you might be thinking, Adriana, why are you doing a postpartum story inside this series on movement and body wellness during pregnancy? Well, let me tell you, the thing is that in between her second birth and this pregnancy, Victoria was feeling like something wasn't quite right and that she wasn't feeling like herself. But, you know, having two kids, several jobs, and a household to take care of, 
She felt like she couldn't stop. She just had to keep everything running. And maybe you can relate to that relentless busyness. I mean, I sure can. But when Victoria got pregnant again, that became a wake-up call to, as she says, quote, get it together because we're going to have another person in our family and we want to be the best family we can be. And who knows, maybe it was Victoria's intuition speaking really loudly that made her listen. But this story is almost a cautionary tale of sorts because her third daughter was not an easy newborn to say the least. And even though she had a very difficult postpartum experience, all the efforts that Victoria had made during pregnancy toward wellness and to make sure she was well-resourced and feeling better... They were a huge part of why she was able to navigate these postpartum challenges without it all falling apart. And yeah, I really know how hard it can be to prioritize the basics like movement, sleep, nutrition, and mental health. But I hope that this episode motivates you to do so, especially if you have other kids already, because pregnancy is biologically a depleting event and you never know what type of baby you're going to get. Figuring out your baby's personality and coming to terms with the baby you got rather than the one you had envisioned, I mean, that in itself could be a book, and in fact, it's a whole section in my postpartum preparation classes. But because it's such an unknown, it's just vitally important for you and your body to be in a great place during pregnancy or even before you get pregnant so that you have the capacity to navigate and figure out the challenges, whatever they might be, that come your way. So do it. Take care of you. Oh, and I also wanted to mention that I've had Victoria on the show before sharing her first two birth stories. So if you want to hear them, the link will be in the show notes. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Welcome, Victoria. It is so great to have you here on the show again. Thank you. Yes, I'm really excited to be back, and it's fun to have a reason to be back. Yeah, because since we last <laughs> talked, your family has grown. Yes, we have. We've added our new surprise third baby, and it's been super fun. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So before we start getting more into her story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, um, of course, my name is Victoria. I am married to Ben. He is just a wonderful husband and partner like in raising the kids, everything. And we have three girls, which is crazy to think about now. And then also I've been a certified, donor certified birth doula. And um, I do run a doula practice kind of on the side. I do a couple clients a year and teach classes, which is just really great. You know, I love, I love the work. I love being yeah. able to do it. Yeah. Working with families, just something I was just telling my husband last night, like, there's just something about being in those labor rooms. I just love, like it makes me come alive, you know, and everyone's kind of excited, of course, when the baby is born, like that's what we're all there for. But I'm, I'm always kind of sad, like all oh, the labor parts done, you know, cause I just love it. I just love kind of walking <laughs> on those journeys so much. I don't know. There's just something crazy about it. I just love watching birth unfold. You are such a doula for sure. I know yeah. it's so, yeah. Like, I mean, of course there's some births and labors. You're like, okay, this, you know, this is long, but, or difficult or whatever, but it's just, it's a journey. You know, I love those journeys and being able to help people along it. Yeah, no, fantastic. But back to the thing at hand, tell us, tell me about your last not 10 months. <laughs> yeah, well, they've been crazy. <laughs> so like I said, this kind of, this pregnancy was a surprise one and I went through a lot of like the pregnancy was kind of long in general. A lot of people say they go quicker, but this pregnancy with Harper was just longer. I kind of, I realized I had a lot of like mental health issues I needed to address. So I like was in therapy for anxiety and just kind of postpartum stuff and working through like my last postpartum times that I didn't really work through. And so that was very healing. Like by the time she was born, I felt like I was in a much better place. You know, I took, took time off from being a doula just to take care of my physical health. I found out I had some food allergies and like eliminating those foods really helped me start feeling better. So it was just a long, does that make sense? Like the pregnancy was long and I was very excited to kind of finally meet Harper when she was born. But then when she was born, it was kind of like a whole nother phase of long that I wasn't expecting, but ended up being 
of course, like what, what our family needed and she's here and she's just perfect for our family. But, um, yeah, just kind of a long journey and then this birth and then another long journey. So Mm. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that today. Yeah, so you did a lot of healing and, and a lot of preparation during pregnancy. Like, what are some highlights of that that you said that that you were you got to a much better place towards the end of the pregnancy? So, yes. yeah, what's that about? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So I had started cleaning up my eating was number one. I was never like an awful eater, but finding out I have a really strong dairy and gluten sensitivity. So cutting, I cut those out a couple months before I got pregnant with her actually. So having those like eliminated and then starting to feel better, which could have been one of the reasons I got pregnant, you know, who knows, just like I started feeling better, whatever, just having more physical energy. So that was, that was one thing, just taking more care of what I put into my body was very healing and learning about that. What I'm, what I can and can't eat, you know, and then um, I mentioned therapy, but that was like seriously one of the best things I've ever done was go to therapy. You know, I went pretty often at first and then we kind of petered out to like once a month, once every two or three months. And then um, I finally kind of concluded that course a couple months ago. But yeah, that that was another kind of big keystone, just being able to take care of myself and, and the pregnancy, Harper's pregnancy really kind of pushed me to do that. Like I was kind of it was sort of something it's easy to kick to the curb. You know what I mean? Like, I don't quite feel right. I don't quite feel like myself, but I just got to keep going. Got to keep moving. Like I have kids, I've got jobs, you know, we got to keep everything running, but being pregnant and knowing like you're adding another baby. And in our case, it was a baby we didn't quite expect to be adding. We thought we were done it too. Just that kind of forced us like, okay, we really have to, you know, get it together because we're going to have another person in our family. We want to be the best family we can be. Um, yeah. So yeah, seriously, take physical and like mental health, just taking care, just, you know, slowing down all those things, say no to a lot of stuff, even though it was hard. Like my doula practice, I said no for like a year, good solid year, just over a year to that. That was so difficult, but it was really good and really needed just to have fewer things on my plate. And um, I could focus on making our home, myself and our home kind of healthy and stable again. It was wonderful. Well, setting boundaries is huge. And it seemed like you yes. were doing a lot of that and how important uh, that's a key part of self-care, right? But also I find and that we don't talk a lot about this and don't don't shine a light on the fact of how much of a toll being pregnant like a whole pregnancy and postpartum has on your body and having yes. had two previous ones and suddenly a new one when you didn't expect it it makes sense to me that you went whoa already my body's depleted I've been trying to get it back to uh, feeling better and I'm on that way but I really need to focus on this right now because some more depletion is on its way right no that that's exactly it and even just realizing and you can't diagnose kind of conditions in the past but even realizing like, oh, I, I did think I did struggle with postpartum depression, particularly with my first, you know, and then kind of just my body kind of collapsed after I had my second daughter. But definitely I, looking back on that, my first postpartum experience now in light of this one, even though this one we're going to talk about was difficult just because our daughter had some unique challenges. It was good because I knew I was in a healthy spot, like mentally and physically. And even though it was very challenging, it was really good to know all of that work had paid off. And like, I was able to handle what was coming to us, if that makes sense. Um, because of all the work I had done and then able to compare like, oh, oh yeah, I definitely feel different after this baby. And whereas before, I think I did kind of have some of that, you know, just fog that like postpartum, like I don't, I'm not myself, but I don't even know what is myself anymore, you know? And that's one of the biggest things, like the hardest things to figure out. Mm -hmm. Like, is yes. this just normal postpartum stuff or is this right out of the, the out of those norms right. yeah in retrospect it was out of norm I don't of course I don't clinically know what that would have been for me with the first two but I definitely know like oh that was not normal <laughs> like, oh. and now I know what normal is which is really good and then of course we had a tougher baby like we all felt really great but we had a tough baby but it was so wonderful to not have like everything kind of falling apart you know we we felt strong and able to like be a good system for our daughter. So cool. yeah, I want to hear a little bit about the birth story, like a quick summary of that, because I want to focus more on the postpartum. So how was the birth? It was 
crazy. It was typical kind of third time baby. They're wild cards. It was very fast. I kind of knew I was going into, I knew I was in early labor and I, I was like, we need to get to the hospital. This is going to go really fast. And sure enough, we, we arrived at like 1 a.m. at the hospital and she was born at four something. And it was just, it was quick. It was kind of, it was chaotic because I, I'm a doula, right? So I kind of know what's going on. And I think, I know I definitely got too in my head, which I know you've had a recent guest talk about like being in your head in birth. That definitely was a case for me. And I was kind of watching myself go through the labor, like this can't be right. This can't be time for, you know, this and that yet. I think I was expecting to have a longer labor like I'd had the first two times. And this was just like very fast, um, fast and just hard. And it was funny at one point I was, I told them like, I really think I'm pushing. And they checked me, the nurses like checked on my request and they're like, Oh honey, you're only five centimeters. And I just like flipped out. Like, what do you mean? I'm only five centimeters. And then she was born like 45 minutes later. So it did kind of like, even that I knew like, don't get checked, just kind of go with your body. You'll, you'll open, you know, you'll dilate what you need to. But even that, like, I was just so focused on like, where am I? What are the stages? You know, I could not get out of my head and that made for the birth a little difficult, but at the same time, it was like, it was beautiful and perfect. And I'm a, I'm a weirdo. I love laboring. So even though this was hard, I just kind of, my body never feels so like alive as it does when I'm in the birthing process, you know, in my birthing time. And so I do still really enjoy that, even though her birth was kind of hard and crazy and chaotic and fast, really fast. Mm. You know, the doctor kind of came in. I remember he was, his hair was like dripping wet. He had come in from the rain at like four in the morning, like literally walked in the room, put his hands out and like caught her. Like that's how quickly, you know, it progressed. So yeah. And one for sure. And it always catches everybody a little bit more off guard when you do have a check like that's why checks are so tough because they can be great and they can be not so great right when you get a check and it's like oh she's five or she's you know they're three and then the baby in 45 minutes right 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 like I knew it was going quick yeah and my husband in retrospect even said he's like I knew you shouldn't have gotten checked he's like I'll remind you next time to not get checked (laughs) and it was you know just funny but yeah that was kind of her birth just really fast and hard but what was interesting, this kind of leads into the postpartum. What was so interesting about it is she was born, Harper, my daughter was born. And actually I did, I say the doctor caught her. I caught her, which was cool. I've never done that before. Like I kind of, you know, got to reach down. I mean, I've always like reached down and kind of grabbed them, but I was like there the whole time, which was neat. But she was born and she was just mad. You know, babies usually they'll kind of like cry and then kind of quiet down once they're like on mom's chest. Mm -hmm. She was born and she was just like angry and she was just crying and crying. I couldn't really, you know, calm her down. And she would like nurse a little bit and kind of go to sleep, but then wake up crying. And I do, I do think like her, I I say, I was very proud to catch her, but looking back at the pictures, I definitely grabbed her by her head and pulled her out. So I'm sure that was a part of her discomfort of like, Hey lady, like, don't, you know, don't grab my head like that next time. (laughs) But, but just, just on the whole, like it was just weird. She was very unsettled and, you know, kind of when her sisters came in to meet her, she was just very upset. You know, she, she would be like sleeping and we try to pass her to the big sisters and she would just wake up and start crying. You know, people holding her, she would cry. Even like they, our family kind of went to go get lunch or something and left me alone so I could sleep with Harper. She wouldn't like even want to sit in the bassinet. Um, like, you know, swaddle up kind of like they do. So, you know, even then I've just like newborns, usually you kind of swaddle them. And at least that first day, they're pretty, you just kind of plop them down wherever and they're pretty, you know, good to go. And even then she would just like wake up in the bassinet screaming, you know, like I couldn't go to the bathroom without setting her down. So that was very difficult. And I I remember that first day with her just thinking like something is off with you, you know, like you're a different baby just because little things would just set her off you know, and even I remember that night too, I'm not normally the person to like want to send a baby to the nursery, but I even like, it was kind of a weird situation. We were in a really small hospital and they were very busy that day. So I had to get discharged from their like labor and delivery birthing suite to like a general hospital room. Hmm. Yeah. It was very, it's very interesting. We, we chose this hospital because it was, um, like they, they provided some more like 
evidence-based options that we wanted. But then the downside is like, it's a really small kind of hole in the wall hospital in the middle of nowhere. So they were just small and it was, you know, it was a big barometric pressure change. They were very busy. Water is breaking everywhere. Water's broke everywhere. Yeah. They were like, we've got 10 rooms and there's like 12 people in labor right now. So they kind of were clearing out as quickly as they could. But in the general hospital, I was even asking the nurses there when I was on the floor, like, is there anyone who can like take her for a couple hours just so I can like, cause she would, I mean, she was just unhappy, you know, and I couldn't settle her. And they were kind of saying like, oh no, honey, sorry. Like we, you know, you're in like the general floor. We can't, we don't have a place to put no nursery. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just begging them. Like, is someone like on a break? (laughs) Can they just take her? Hold my baby. It's the third. I don't care. Just hold my baby. Yes. It was literally that. Like if there's like a janitor or something who's free, (laughs) So we made it through that night and I did kind of advocate for myself to get discharged. Like she was born at four in the morning and like that night, I spent the night in the hospital, but definitely that next morning I was like, I'm not staying another night. Like I need to get home so I can have some help with her, which is just crazy. Like looking, I mean, really there was just something about her and I kind of knew like we're going to be in for a different experience this time. Well, and you had a couple other ones previously to compare to, I mean, what I just keep thinking if this would have been your first of not even knowing that this was like you had the wherewithal to say something is off with you what is up yes and I've since talked to moms who've who've said their first child was their very difficult just to to learn one and I yeah I do not know like kudos hats off props you know to to those people because that would be I mean that would be very crazy if this was your first experience I can imagine and you didn't know like just little little things seriously like newborns usually sleep a lot she just would not sleep peacefully you know she she would just be very upset and it's like you're like you're new you're a newborn you're supposed to be like kind of out of it for at least a week or so you know just kind of chill so yeah I can't imagine now looking back on it what do you think was off with her you know, so yeah, that kind of leads into our postpartum journey. I do think, I do think, I'm sure she's very sore from the birth because I totally did like yank her out by her head and I feel really badly about that. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't grab like under her shoulders. So looking back, like I'm definitely kind of holding her head and just kind of pull you know, catching my baby. But it's like, wow, that had to have been uncomfortable. And I don't know, like she... Sometimes I've wondered if because her pregnancy was so difficult, like with kind of walking through anxiety and the therapy for that, I've wondered, like, was there some sort of, um, oh, what's that? You know what I'm talking about? What's the word the where like your cells can change? What is that? Um, oh, the ep- uh, epi- epigenetics. epigenetics. Yes. 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 So, like maybe there's some like epigenetic effect where like maybe I was super stressed and so you were born super stressed. Um, so part of this is she does have lip and tongue ties. So breastfeeding was difficult at first. And I know that that can add to like baby's discomfort. But I don't know, like I can, t- I can tell you now she's 10 months old. She is like a completely different baby for her getting mobile was kind of a game changer. Like as soon as she could crawl, get somewhere quickly, she instantly kind of became much happier, but it was weird. It was kind of like for her, for Harper, there were just a lot of little things maybe contributing. And we like, I just couldn't figure out, like I kind of, the first couple months, I almost drove myself crazy trying to figure that out. Like what is wrong with you? You know, what is like the one thing, what's the switch I need to flip for you? to make your life, you know, happier as a baby. But I just couldn't, I like, we couldn't find it. And one thing my husband kind of said to me a lot during this process, was like, it doesn't have to be just one thing. Like this could just be her. And for some, like I, you know, this could just be like, this is just her personality right now. This is just who she is as a person. And I remember just being so frustrated with that answer, probably because I'm a doula, I think, and and we kind of want answers and information, you know, and you, I think we kind of have this tendency to want to like point back to something like, oh, that, you know, that's the reason why this went wrong or whatever. That could, I mean, that could just be personality, but I think doula is kind of, you know, like, like just the information and knowing everything that's going on and how to help. And it was just killing me that I couldn't figure out the one thing I needed to know to help her. Mm. Um, But, but honestly coming just, Part of it was kind of coming to that place of just of really like a, a green. I think my husband was right and looking at her and just kind of saying, this is just like some people you just have bad days for no reason. Like she was just very grumpy. Yeah. 
you know, and dysregulated. And there wasn't one thing. It was just the way it was. And we kind of, it was better to accept that and work around it than trying to beat your head against a wall, trying to fix it, which is like my tendency. Well, and that requires a lot of patience and grace with yourself also of, you know, this is not that I'm doing anything wrong yeah, and nothing that I could be doing differently, but I just have to help her through it as best as I can. Yeah. Which is, a yeah, that's a hard mindset to get into day in and day out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I could, can I talk about like her lip and tongue tie? Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, because it seems like maybe it wasn't the one thing, but it was a combination of circumstances along with her personality. Like it all might have created a little perfect storm because I do believe that babies are born with their own personalities and yes. how they come out. You're like, yeah, I can, you know, you this there's some traits that just stick around, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what were the steps you took to try to figure that out? And I know that realizing that she had a tongue tie and a lip tie was one part of the puzzle. Yes. Yeah. That's a good intro. I know this is all over the place because like you said, there's a lot of factors. So the, the first thing with my middle daughter, she also had a lip and tongue tie that we did have revised like through um, a laser procedure at like two months old. So I knew kind of what to look for. And I knew like it ran in our family um, or just that there were, you know, there's that possibility could happen again. And so I kind of saw like she had a shallow latch, breastfeeding was really painful. And so um, I kind of knew like, okay, this is what we're dealing with. If I can just make it till until we get an appointment, you know, we just got to get her tongue and lip tie revised and we'll be totally fine. That was kind of my mentality. But the funny thing is that we, we tried, like we, we're trying to get an appointment with the provider we went to for my middle daughter and they were super booked out. So we tried to go somewhere else. And, you know, at that evaluation, it was kind of like, yeah, she, she has one, but we need you to do these therapies first. And I know more about it now. Like I know that it is good to go do therapies and things like, you know, prepare for the procedure. But we were just at that time, we were like, I don't, I don't feel like I can go to more appointments. Like she's a crazy baby, you know, like this is like, it just did not feel like a good option for us at the time. So we kind of were holding out hope, like, well, maybe we can just try to make it to to find someone like, if we can just find someone who will just revise her mouth, it'll be fine. But in the meantime, one thing we did do is we explored craniosacral therapy, which was very helpful for her. And I had never heard of it before. Or, I mean, I've heard of it before, but I've never like seen it, never had it done to me or had seen it done. And we did have like a wonderful craniosacral therapist in my town. And she was, she was great. She like came to our house and she really worked on Harper's like mouth and jaw to kind of loosen up those ties or just work, work on them. And I will say I did see some improvement kind of with that. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com or look for it at amazon.com. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorns Roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. I'm so glad you did Cranial Sacral because mm. I find that regardless of Regardless of what's going on with your baby, with your person, with anybody, like that type of body work is something Mm. that is it's beneficial for anybody to different degrees, but it's not going to create any harm. It can only like improve. It's like getting a massage. You're not going to go like, yes, I got the massage and then, you know, it's better than getting a massage, but I got that massage and it messed me up like that rarely ever happens. Usually it's just an enjoyable, beneficial experience. And I think it's what you were talking about doing the the. different therapies to help with the revision is because there is there is the physical aspect of it and there's the function aspect of it Mm -hmm. and the physical is the tie itself like this piece of skin is tight right Right. these things are tight but just opening that up it's not gonna then now she has to figure out how to she was getting used to trying to figure out how to work the breastfeeding or work on on movement with that tie. And now that it's gone, it's like, Ooh, I got to relearn all these things. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it was, it was funny. Cause this was, this was definitely an example where like, I know what the best thing to do was, but we were, at least for our family, we were like, I don't think we can pursue the best care at this time. Or, or maybe I think what I'm trying to say is like all of the steps for it. Like we know it is best, but, and part, part of our difficulty was that we live in a really small town. And so we were, we would have to have driven like an hour away to go to these therapies, like every, you know, twice a week or whatever before and after revision. And we, it was just kind of like, I don't, I don't feel like we can do that. Like maybe let's try to pursue other ways. It was more like, let's see what we can do about your ties, not going through a revision, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah, it's so much easier to say, you know, from my desk, tell you, oh, go do this therapy. So good thing that when you're in it postpartum, and it's like not only driving an hour, but driving an hour with a miserable child both ways. And yeah, I mean, that's I, I can totally understand the need to rationalize what's what is within the realm of doable and what isn't. So you then went to cranial sacral in the meantime? Yes. And the the craniosacral did help. And then I did get us to the point of breastfeeding was not painful, which I do credit to the the CST because it was, um, you know, like, thankfully I had breastfed before. So I kind of knew like what was painful. Like I knew how it was supposed to feel, I guess is what I mean. Like I knew it was normal and what wasn't. How old um, was she at that point? This is maybe like one month, two months. Okay. So that's um, a long yeah. time to be breastfeeding with pain. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Do not do this people. (laughs) Like it was more so like, I just kind of knew like if I can, I really was so fixated on like, if I can just get her revised. And again, my my thinking at that time was like, I don't want to do extra steps. I just want to get just someone open up her mouth and we'll figure it out, you know, but that wasn't happening. And again, like the knowing we needed to go to additional like therapies to make that whole experience optimal. It just kind of led us to think like, what else, what can we do? in the meantime, to kind of make this more manageable while we're kind of figuring out what's possible for our family, like to pursue, if that makes sense. And no, too, I felt, I felt like a 
I felt like a bad mom in some way because I was in my mind, it was like, I'm not giving my kid the best, but in retrospect, it really was like, this is the best we can do at this time. And the CST was amazing. And she came to her house and she kind of worked on my daughter and it did lessen up the pain. We also, we also did see an IBCLC. I do want to mention that it's important, like within her, I think a month one, maybe she was a month old or something to kind of confirm like, okay, she has ties. What do you think needs to be done? And that was helpful too. She also gave me some tips for like getting more milk to Harper if the kind of working through that pain. But then very shortly after we did our visit with her, it kind of finally was like subsiding. And I think that something worked out with the body work and it did like loosen, it it resolved it at, at least for the moment. And it did, I think it did too kind of help the body work did help her overall mood some, but when we started like spacing out the visits, it was kind of like, I mean, she really could have done body work like every single day. You know, she really needed that. When we started spacing out those visits, her kind of temperament would return, if that makes sense. And she still became very just dysregulated. That was one, that was the word that IBCLC gave to her in her evaluation. It was kind of helpful for me just to have a word for what was going on with Harper, dysregulation. And it's little things like like car rides, like she would just, you know, scream in any car ride, even if it was like, you know, five minutes down the road, she would just scream the whole time. We we had to go to some appointments that were an hour away just the whole time. You know, I would kind of stop and feed her just to get her out of the seat, see if that helps. But like it was never like she'll cry a little and then just fall asleep exhausted. She just screams for like an hour straight, you know, until we got where we're going. So we just started not traveling anywhere with her. Um, you know, that was also part of why like pursuing a revision just ended up being more daunting, I guess, because we were like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I felt frustrated that I wasn't giving her like the best care I knew was out there. But at the same time, it was a really good lesson. And like, sometimes what's best is, is what's best for your family. You know, at the end of the day, like you got to live with your family, you know, and you have to live with yourself and, the kids that you have and what's best. It's not always objective. Well, and it has, there's many moving parts. It's a dynamic between many people, not just this little kid and what we can do for her. Yeah, no, I get that. Can you explain a little bit more of what, I love the word dysregulated because I think it does paint a picture. Can you explain a little bit more of what that meant for you and how that showed up for her? Yeah. Well, the car crying in the car was a big part of it. There were times like she would just be un, kind of like unhappy. You know, I know you've talked about the five S's. We love them here too in our home. Just little things like she would, she might finish a nursing session and still just kind of be fussy and crying. So I would start, you know, walk or shushing and swaying. And, you know, I, I love, I had a baby wrap that I love and I would put her in that. And even still, she would just kind of be crying. And it was just, it, I felt really helpless because it was kind of like, I'm doing everything I know to do for you. And you're still, you know, like unhappy about everything. She wouldn't, um, she wasn't a really cuddly baby. It kind of showed up like people want to visit with your baby and hold her and all this stuff. And I'm talking at this point, I'm still kind of talking about like maybe two months. This is maybe getting into like the two month, three month mark even then when they're not quite like newborns anymore, she just wouldn't want to be held by anyone. She didn't, you could tell she didn't like being out of our house. Like when we would have to take her places like to the store or whatever, she would just kind of be like keyed up and on edge, not really liking it if anyone was in her space or even like family. We live really close to my husband's family, even that, which is kind of hard. Like she didn't like, she would just cry if like grandparents held her, you know, anyone else other than like mom, if I was there or if it was just Ben, my husband, just him or kind of, you know, I see like, especially that she's a younger sibling, you see all these videos, like people share of their big kids interacting with their babies and the babies just kind of like so happy, you know, and snuggly. And she would just like freak out if her older sisters would like touch her, want to hold her. And that was hard, you know, it was really hard to kind of be like, yes, you can hold Harper. Oh, she starts crying like 15 seconds into you holding her. You know, I'm really sorry, guys. But but what we did do is a lot of I would like lay in the bed and be nursing Harper. And I would try to invite the girls like, why don't you come up and, you know, like rub the back of her head while she's nursing or, you know, rub her back or try to, why don't you play with her when mom's holding her, that kind of thing. But it was hard to explain because like all they, all they want to do is just play with their sister, you know, which now they do all the time, which is so fun for me. But I kind of hate that they lost that little, 
new squishy baby stage, if that makes sense. Is that, are those kind of good examples? Well, yes, absolutely. And I, I love that that it's not specific only to breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. I think it's super important to understand that that dysregulation or that overwhelm, you know, that overstimulation doesn't have to be only related to breastfeeding. Yeah, no, I agree. And it would it would show up in that. Like sometimes it could be hard to calm her down. If I knew she was this is hungry, hard to calm her down and get her to start eating or she she could be just in the middle of eating and kind of start freaking out, you know, just crying about something. It would be hard. Sometimes I would have to like and this is I know this was tongue tie related, like start her feeding on one side, then maybe try to switch her to my other side that was fuller that I needed her to be nursing on, you know, a lot of sideline nursing for sure. Because that was just the thing that it was nice, like I could rest and she could rest. That seemed to be our best. So yeah, it did it did show up in nursing, but it was it really was helpful. And I've saved that IPCLC's email. She kind of sent back our case notes and there was just something really helpful about like a professional saying, Oh yeah, I see you with your baby. You know, your baby's not like other babies in this area. It was just helpful. And it did I still like I would say until maybe Harper was like six months old or so, I still was just like determined there has to be something like there has to be that switch I can flip. But even now, knowing there there really wasn't one thing like just having just having like that affirmation of someone else who doesn't know us looking into our family, you know, and looking to my relationship with her and saying like, oh, yeah, there's something going on. That was just really helpful. Yeah. Validating. Yeah. Validating. Yes, exactly. Then that tongue tie stories, we did not end up actually ever revising it. We've just decided like, you know what, it's not causing us issues at this moment. I know I can always do it later if we need to, you know, I, I'm aware she has them. So if it starts presenting, we'll kind of immediately go to resolve it, which is good. But, um, even that, like looking back, even if we had resolved though, if we had decided to revise them, in the moment. I don't even know if that would have, that maybe what wouldn't have fixed anything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. who knows it, that could have, because there, it was so multifaceted or it has been so multifaceted with her. So at that time, and we're talking like now we're still at six months or, or already at six months. It's been a long time and you're still seeing this. Like how were, what were you doing and your husband, what was the family doing to try to be able to, function and find that new rhythm once you realized or were kind of forced to deal with this baby that you got? Yeah, I think we did. That's a good question. I know part, I mean, a lot of it was just kind of like changing your expectations. So a lot of it, like we're, we try to be a pretty like TV screen free house, but it was good to kind of acknowledge like, you know what, sometimes in the season, cause at this time I was still home. I was a primary person home with my kids. And then my husband was working. He still worked from home, but like my job would kind of be to like, keep up with the kids and then let him do his work. But it was very nice that he still, because he was home, he was always really great to just like jump in if he needed if like Harper really was having a difficult time, one of the big kids needed something I could say like, Hey, could you do this? And we, we talked about like when it was appropriate to do that, when it wasn't, you know, little things he's like, okay, if you can just give me it like a 10 minute warning of like, can you help me, you know, in 10 minutes, like go put them in the bath or something. So that was, that kind of felt having him there felt like a lifeline, but also, um, the lowering expectations part is like, we, we ended up using a lot of TV, you know, like Ben was home, but sometimes it was just like, I need to go lay down and nurse Harper for an hour. So the big kids just got to watch like a free for all TV show time, you know, which I mean, it sounds silly, but just little things like that, just saying like, you know what, this is just what we have to do in this season and it will be okay. And then maybe at a time when Harper was like asleep or Ben could take her for something, I would try to go like be intentional with them, have some one-on-one time for a while. It felt like, all mom does is just try to calm Harper down while we, you know, fend for ourselves. But like, it felt like that was never going to end. But now looking back on it, of course, it's not like that anymore. But for a while it was okay. You know, we also had, we have a really wonderful church community. And so people were just like volunteer to come to our house. Like, Hey, you know, I have a flexible schedule today. Can I just come hang out, take your big kids out somewhere? Like go help them while you take care of Harper. And that was like so wonderful. That was invaluable. Mm, yeah, absolutely. that was really great. And you were still doing therapy during this stage. 
Yes. And, and it seems like you were getting, um, you know, were very mindful of setting good lines of communication between you and Ben, like as a family come together as a team rather than because situations like this can really tear people apart. Yes. Yes. No, it was. And we, I mean, and we, we're pretty good about catching like, oh, okay, today we're off today. What's going on? And like troubleshooting it and then kind of going forward. And, and a lot of it would be, you know, just getting time as soon. I don't know, maybe when the babies are kind of like three or four months old, I start feeling like I can, okay, like I can leave for like an hour or two, then come back to nurse. You know, I wouldn't be gone long. Little breaks like that were so helpful. And he's actually, it's funny because he's, he's like my regulator. He'll kind of tell me like, Hey, you look like you could probably go use like some mom time to yourself. You know, this, why don't you go for like an hour or two and then come back. And that was also very helpful. I love that. I know. I'm telling you, Adriana, he is like, I know he is, he's seriously, I, I totally lucked out. He is the best guy, but, and the same for him, you know, I'll try to see like, Hey, you, you've been, you know, you've been really hands-on with the kids a lot, or, you know, you've been, you've been pulling a lot of the weight. Why don't you go do something? Like we try to do that. He's much better about spotting it than I am. I'm working on it. Well, and I also find that as primary caregivers, you know, usually moms are the primary caregivers, but whoever's the primary caregiver, there's an, a, it's harder to say, I'm going to take this time off and take care for myself. Like yes. you really need somebody else to give you that permission because if not, there can be like some feelings of guilt and it's just messy. Yes. Yeah. It's really, it's very messy. And that's part of it too. Just kind of embracing like, this is just going to be messy. It's not, you know, this isn't ideal, but of course being able to have the perspective of like, okay, this isn't ideal, but it's not going to be forever. And you're not failing just sometimes like just going through isn't failing. And looking back to there, there really was like an abundance of provision for us, like in the people coming over and Ben having that job, he could work from home and, you know, take like, you know, on his breaks or whatever, his 15 minute break, you could go help out, um, get dinner started, whatever, things like that. That was just such a lifeline, you know. It was also really helpful that she was born in May. This was the first baby I've had, like a summer spring baby. And just having the sun was like really nice. Just being able to kind of let the big kids play outside and just kind of sitting in the sun, you know, on the porch with her. Like, even if you can't, I guess I went with the car, we really just stayed, she and I at least really stayed close to home. But even just being able to be outside was really helpful. Um my other babies were like winter babies. So I never really knew what it's like to be outside with a newborn, as silly as that sounds. Like, that's kind of nice just taking your baby out in the yard, you know. So, yeah, no, that totally, like, I could totally. <laughs> like vitamin D. Yes, yeah, it's very yeah, yeah. helpful. It's like, oh, it's warm, right? <laughs> what? When or what were the signs that started, like, you're starting to feel that things are falling into place, either she was more regulating or you guys have found your rhythm or you were more accepting. I don't even know how to describe the moment, but now you say you're really in a good place and that she's much better. So what are the, and it might not be the one thing, right? But a combination of things that got you here. Yeah, I do. Like, I think I mentioned maybe before, but definitely her just gaining the just developmental milestones was helpful. Like when she could sit up by herself, that was, it's kind of like we unlocked a little something like, okay, she's crying a little less or she's just, it wasn't always crying. It was just, just grumpiness, you know, like I don't, I, she it wasn't, I don't know, maybe it was colicky, but she wasn't like screaming at the top of her lungs for hours. It was just gr fussy, grumpy, kind of always grumpy, you know? But sitting up by herself, it was kind of like, oh, she's not she's not grumping as much, you know, and then being able to crawl around. That was a huge one because then she could just kind of go explore or like if I walked out of a room, she could come find me quicker, you know, or just or kind of entertain herself. Like the more ability she's had to like play independently, I would say, and move independently. And then also the she's been more receptive like she loves her big sisters now. Like she loves interacting with them. They love interacting with her. So maybe kind of gaining that like spatial awareness or like person awareness of, you know, people around her like, hey, we're, we're here to help you and have fun. Like something like that or something like that maybe has gone off inside of her that's made it a lot easier. Baby wearing was always our lifesaver. Like I definitely love baby wearing, but I would just say continuing to keep up that even as she's gotten older has kind of helped like having, you know, we have an ergo. So 
if we need to like be out in a store, you know, it's helpful just to wear her instead of trying to like keep her sitting in a seat or something like that. Just, I think, I don't know, in a way it's almost like building trust with her. Like she knows like, Hey, like I've got you. I'm trying to take care of, you know, like you're, you're going to be okay. We're always with you. But like having those continued ways to like keep up connection with Harper it's almost like it really has almost given her more confidence. It all comes because we're holistic, right? So everything right. builds on <laughs> each other. And the fact that she's moving around more, has reached the developmental milestones, also means that one, she's more independent and can get around the world. But also in order to like crawl, there's so many steps that need to be to light up, be you know, sparked within the vagus nerve and different nerves that have to do well so with breastfeeding and like that are connected to each other. So if you look at the tummy time method, it's about how a baby uncurls and unfurls from the that close tight C in the womb to a place where they're doing like, you know, the baby cobra um, when they're lying for tummy time to then getting themselves up to crawling and then finally up to standing, like all that physical movement and all the, the, what the things that are required for that have to do with regulation as well as all the emotional part of her being able to interact more with the world and having that gratification of I do this, I'm not so helpless. I don't know. Like it, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, all these things connect to each yeah, other. Yeah, no, it's definitely like a case study that that is like reality. You know, like that is definitely true. It's science. Like it, it certainly happens and you could really see it in our case. We're all coming into a new season together. And maybe that was helpful for me too, just to kind of be more accepting to see that seasons, seasons are always changing and it's okay. Like that we're going to, you know, something new is ahead and we'll figure out how all of our kids fit into this new model of life. You know, it was helpful maybe just to kind of see like, oh, it's not just Harper. Like it's all of our kids and we have a plan for all of our kids and, you know, taking care of them, if that makes sense. I would definitely say like around the holidays, it got easy. And we even took like a little family Christmas vacation in December. And that was for sure the moment. It was like a spontaneous trip. And I said to Ben, I was like, let's just go do this really quickly. You know, like on on that day, like, I just want to go run down. It was to go see my family who live like six hours away. It's like, we got some free days. Like, let's just go do it. We hadn't planned on it, you know? And he says, he's like, that was a moment. Like, I felt like you came back totally. Like that was kind of a really good, like, confirmation that all the therapy had kind of done its work. And for me too, like, I, I remember I made that suggestion. I wasn't worried about Harper, like crying in the car. I was, you know, just kind of looking forward to going to do this fun thing. And she did great. Like she did super great on the trip. You know, we all, of course there was little kid meltdown moments, but like it was fine. It was okay. So that, that little Christmas trip probably was like nice. Like, I don't want to say crowning achievement, but maybe like culmination of like, okay, we've done it. We've gotten through it. This is what it's, you know, we, we can do this. Things are getting better. <laughs> like, yeah. our, you know, and it was a really sweet, yeah, holiday. It was like closure and Closure is a better word. Yes. Because, it, yeah, we definitely, we've not like achieved anything because it's definitely still a process. But closure is a good word. It was a nice like, huh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, moving next chapter. Yeah. Moving and, on. Right. Yes. And I think it's, it's valid to like have that perspective of, not only valid, like it's good to have that perspective of we're all a family and sometimes one of us is going to require more help than the others and then it'll switch and we'll just keep passing that along and and it's constantly evolving as a team, which is like even figuring that out is a hard place to get to from, especially if you've never had kids and you're just, just, then you're just pregnant. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That identity shift that keeps changing. That's, I think, the hardest part. No, I would completely agree. And like you said, I cannot imagine if this experience were like a first child, that would be, I mean, a whole, it would probably hit you in a whole different way. But she came at just the right time. And that was, those were definitely lessons our family needed to, to go deeper in. You know, if we kind of had had those first, that first identity shift with our first two kids and learning what it means to be parents and this definitely was kind of like, you know, parenting 102, I guess 103, since it's our third parenting 103 for us. And it was really, it was good. Like, I don't, yeah, looking forward to seeing how this knowledge like helps us in the future, I think. 
Yeah, well, um, it sounds like it's brought you closer together, if not, and and given you more appreciation of and more empathy with the rest of the world into your yes. your, your, your work <laughs> that you do. So that's always beneficial. <laughs> yes, certainly, certainly. Now you mentioned the therapy, and you mentioned the um, uh, having that like, especially from Ben Pro prompting you to take some time for yourself. Was there yes. anything else that you did to try to going back to touching to base with what you were doing during pregnancy of, you know, focusing on better nutrition and getting you in a place where you weren't as depleted, anything else that you did that we're missing to help, you know, bring that back up? Yeah. You know, one thing I didn't mention this, but like just kind of practicing the mindfulness and like progressive relaxation was one thing I found very helpful and just being able to identify, like having the skills to identify like, Oh, I'm, I'm have like some anxiety rising up in me right now, or, you know, okay, I'm getting a little angry in this situation, just having the tool to be able to acknowledge it. And then just that really practical skill set, you know, of going through like, okay, let me relax my head. Let me relax my shoulders. Um, going through my body like that and just checking in in the moment that was that was another very helpful tool so i don't know if you want to call that like mindfulness or progressive relaxation so the ability to just do that in the moment whereas i think before i you, it's easier to just kind of run along with however you're feeling but the skill to like wait stop check in what's going on and then move forward was very helpful yes and and that it, that my that body awareness yes um, it's, I, I'm, I'll link Parajata Spenda's uh, episode on that as well as the pregnancy yes. brain thing but it's she's she's one of the practitioners that works more closely to that we have that in common of our bodies are super wise in that yes. they're constantly telling us stuff we don't often pay attention but they're constantly <laughs> telling us so if we start to pay attention a little bit more like oh yeah my stomach's been really hurting what am i anxious about or you know to just identify what those things mean in your body and then it's a it's a tool to like whoa wait yes i can hear my body saying take deeper breaths <laughs> yeah yeah. So it's like self-regulating, right? It goes back to right. regulating yourself. <laughs> Regulation is so important is what I've learned. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Oh, so good. Victoria, before we close off, is there anything you want to make sure the listeners know about your story before we yeah, end? Just I, I hope it's helpful. I hope it doesn't unnecessarily scare anyone. But to the mom who's maybe going through, mom, you know, mom or dad, whoever is going through um, something like this, just a, a surprising baby, a baby that you didn't really expect, like it, that baby is in your family for a reason. And he or she is teaching you something that's very important for you to know. And it's it's definitely going to contribute to the the fabric of your family. And even though there's there can be hard days and can drive you to like tears and frustration some days that it's just the baby that you needed, you know, and it's, yeah, it can be hard sometimes to, to relate to babies that you don't quite know what's going on, but they're with you for a reason and you're the perfect parents for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you have no <laughs> choice either. You just, and you have it right. Like just, just, yeah, don't just like in birth, right. Kind of like the resisting, does not get you anywhere quickly. It's the surrendering that you really have to like press into even when it's uncomfortable. But the surrendering is what kind of takes you places. Mm -hmm. Ugh, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and screen time is okay sometimes. And, you know, get some disposable paper plates if you need to for like a couple weeks and just make it through. Like it'll be okay. There you go. Totally. Well, thank you so very much for coming on the show today to share this story. Thank you for having me. I love what you do and love you. You're awesome. That was mom, childbirth educator, birth advocate, and doula extraordinaire, Victoria Wilson, who runs Motherwell, an organization that provides education, training, and support to parents and birth workers. Since we spoke, Victoria has added another unexpected baby girl to her family, and so it's never a dull moment in her house. You can find Victoria on Instagram at Mother Well Doula. 
And you can connect with us at Birthful Podcast. In fact, if you're not driving, it would be so lovely if you would take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to Instagram to your stories, sharing your biggest takeaway from the episode. Make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast so we can see it and amplify it. You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my postpartum preparation classes, where we go in-depth into how to figure out the baby you got, hint, hint, and how to best care for them. At birthful.com, you'll also find my free postpartum preparation plan. And if you find this podcast to be an invaluable resource for you, the best way to support us is by taking any one of my perinatal classes or doula workshops or trying out some of the wonderful products made by our sponsors. That is what allows us to keep doing this work. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plati. Thank you so very much for listening and sharing Birthful, telling your friends about it. Be sure to follow us on GoodPods, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and everywhere you listen. And then come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.